Hi there, and welcome back to the Rashcast with Jake and John, live from our new studios in Washington, D.C. Outside of Nationals Park. Yes, I'm Jake. And I'm John. Uh, yeah, we're coming to you. Not that you could tell, because this is an audio podcast. We're, we're closer than the 106.7 The Fan Studios are to Nationals Park. Right. And they say they record at Nationals Park. We're even closer than that right now. So we are recording from Nationals Park. Pretty much. Although you have no way of verifying that. Yeah. A lot of photo to, to be uh, where you tweet this out. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. So, uh, so we're back with our first episode in three weeks because like we kind of promised that we come back around every three weeks. Yeah, we'll we'll check in. Uh, the Nationals basically had concluded their off season at the time of our last podcast. I think the only thing that we've missed is Alex Avila, but like. Who cares about a backup catcher? First of all, it's Avila. Avila, sorry. The accent goes on the the first A. Ah. But second of all, yes, we have lots of deep thoughts about the Nats' backup catcher. Uh, so that happened. Uh, we didn't feel like doing a full episode about that. But more importantly, the rest of the offseason has sort of filled out, yeah. uh, especially with regards to the NL East. The big questions with the NL East at the point that we left off was – where will JT Realmuto go and where will Trevor Bauer go? Specifically, will Realmuto go back to the Phillies and will Bauer go to the Mets? One of those happened, the other didn't. And it's up to you to find out which one. Yeah, we're not doing your research for you. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, so Realmuto resigns with the Phillies five years, 110. Trevor Bauer goes to LA, the Dodgers, three years, uh, what was 102 it? million. Um, and it's, it's pretty much a two-year deal. Right. So it's, it's two it, years, eighty-five mil. So it's it's got an opt-out after every year. It's forty million this year, forty-five million in twenty twenty-two, and seventeen million in twenty-three. It's it's to me it's wild that Trevor Bauer is going to be the highest-paid player in MLB baseball for the next two years. Well, I mean, it, the whole point of that deal was like he got roughly the amount of money that you would expect over a five-year deal, but he's getting it over three years. Yeah. And the truth is. He's not getting 102 million. He's getting 85, 85 million. Yeah, it's a two-year, 85 million dollar deal. Right. He's going to opt out after that second year because there's no reason why he'd take a one-year, 15 million dollar deal unless he's terrible. And you knew that he was going to get some weird creative contract structure because you know his desires were like he was I mean, not. He was the guy who said he wants to take one-year deal every year. And essentially, he did. Yeah. Uh, not that he's going to get paid more than like there's no. No way he'll get paid more than $45 million in 2022. So unless he's absolutely insane, he will stay in that contract. Uh-huh. Uh, but obviously, you know, the, the discussion over Bauer is, you know, he's a shitty person, yeah. constant harassing of women online, uh, all around, just all douche around douchebaggy. But the, the point of it is, you know, from, from a baseball perspective, him signing with the Dodgers instead of the Mets is – you know, ostensibly or, you know, non, uh, like unambiguously good news for the Nationals. Yeah, I mean, it's good news for the Nats in, the, in their pursuit of an NL East title. But, I mean, it does make getting the path to the NL all that much more difficult. Right. You take the reigning Cy Young Award winner out of the team that won the World Series with the last two reigning NL, um, not NL, but you have 2019 NL MVP, 2018 AL MVP. You have a, you have already two Cy Young awards in that rotation, right? Uh, well, you have you have four Cy Young awards yeah, in that, yeah. Between uh, Kershaw's, yeah. Three. Now you have five. Yeah, it is the the Dodgers are, you know, a machine. They're no team's unbeatable, uh, and the Dodgers specifically. You know, you can look at the Dodgers rotation and say, with some truth, that Bauer adding Bauer. If Bauer performs to his uh, career averages, which is about a 113 ERA plus, that they didn't actually get substantially better because Bauer is just going to be placing, replacing Trevor May, who could probably put up those same or similar numbers. Obviously, if, if Bauer is what he was last year when he pitched 12 games against the NL and AL Central. Which all were, he faced two teams with uh, their OPS plus over 100. Yeah, like over ninety three actually. Right. Last year, it was it was mostly bad teams. Yeah. I mean, the they point, shut down the Braves in the playoffs though. Right. 
and that was a pretty impressive performance. I mean, his he, stuff looks good. His stuff looks like it will play. He's he's Trevor Bauer. He's you know he was a first. He was a third overall draft pick. Uh, he's always had a ton of hype around him. No, he's he's got this underdog story, man. Really. Oh, right. He's just this underdog. This guy no one believed in. This third overall pick, uh-huh. top prospect out of college, you out know, of a baseball powerhouse, in UCLA. UCLA. Right. You know, no one, everyone always counted him out. You know, it's really good to see a guy like that, a guy who likes to harass women. You know, get his shot. I'm happy for him. Actually, he may have been the fourth overall pick. I can't remember if he went before Bundy or vice versa. I think Bundy went fourth, which is IRRC. Yeah, we can check this out. We'll have just Google Trevor Bauer. That's easier. Yeah. We have an extensive research team on this. Looking up my phone. He went uh, uh, went third pick in the 2011 draft. There we go. I was right. Uh, Anyway. Uh, the point is that the Dodgers have incredible depth. I mean, they're they're in a division with the Padres, who are also very good. Those rotations are the Do- the Padres rotation is very good. Yeah, I, mean, I don't got, think they got the runner off of the NL Cy Young right. added to the rotation. They got 2018 AL Cy Young Award winner added to the rotation. I mean, they also improved a lot in that rotation. Unfortunately, Clevenger's out for the year. But they still have, you know, the Nelson Lamette, who was great last year. Right. I mean, Chris, Chris Paddock, who's got great stuff, and just, you know, last year was not great. But I think I think Paddock's still a stud. Um, and then they added – Paddock hasn't been good since, you know, June of 2019. Yeah. But he's got, he's got stuff that can play. Yeah. And then they got a Joe Musgrove, too. Well, and obviously good. they've got, you know, Mackenzie Gore. Yeah. Uh, they've got a ton – like, their so- pitching prospects are still they, – they traded away Patino. Uh, to get uh, Snell. To get Snell. But uh, they, I mean, the the Dodgers are the I, heavy favorites to win the division, to win the pennant, yeah, to win the, the World, World Series. Series. I mean, they won the World Series last year. Right. To me, the, what this Bauer signing does for them is, you know, you're getting, you're going to have to rely on full seasons from Kershaw and Price, who Price hasn't pitched in, uh, since 2019, because he opted out last year. Right. And Kershaw, pretty much every season, besides last year, which was a shortened season, has dealt with back injuries. No, he started the season on the I.L. Oh, he did? Yeah. Well, Missed there, one yeah. start. Well, okay. Um, but, yeah, he, he's had that lingering back injury for the last three, four years. And right. so what this does, it, it allows you to put May and Gosselin behind them. They have – ins- I mean, it's just amazing depth. They have seven really good pitchers. And, and wild. They re-signed Justin Turner yesterday. Uh, they're, they're at 250 right now in the salary cap. It's nice to see one team doesn't give a shit. Unfortunately, it's the team that already won the World Series. Like, I, I don't know. I, 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 this has been a reasonably normal offseason. You've got, you've got a couple of teams that are reasonably close to the salary – or the luxury tax. So the only one team going over it, but both the, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because the Red Sox are one of the other teams that are really close to the salary cap or luxury tax, and they are tanking. Yes. Uh, really or nice. actually, I don't really know what they're doing. I mean, that fucking Ben Attendee trade was, was nonsense. And, and it wasn't about salary because they immediately signed Marwin Gonzalez. Right, right afterwards. I mean, unless they're really high on Frenchy Cordero. Like, I, I, I don't understand. I don't really them. get the the Red Sox, but they're not going to be a factor in that yeah. division. And the Blue Jays, speaking of that division, Blue Jays added. I mean, you had teams Padres added, as you said before. The, the Blue Jays... Excuse me. The Blue Jays were very confusing. Uh, oh, they yeah. add... Well, they added Springer. They added Springer. They added... Uh, they, <laughs> excuse me again. They added someone else, too. Uh, uh, Senior. Yes, they yes. added Springer and Semyon. They added a lot offensively. But Didn't they send starting pitcher too? They did. I can remember them adding someone in the rotation. Um, but, yeah, the Blue Jays added. They definitely added. I mean, they added, they added the biggest contract in franchise history at Springer. Right, but their their rotation is still. Ryu, it's Ryu, Robbie Ray, Ray who they. they Roark. Yeah. Oh, they got Mats. That's right. They traded for Stephen Matt. Yeah, I mean, their team, and they got Kirby Yates too. And Nate Pearson can obviously break out, but it, yeah. I mean, it's. I find it difficult. Anyway, we're getting sort of farther afield of what we want to talk about, right, which like, is. I, I mean, their teams. It's just been a normal. It's right. Been, like for how slow it was at the beginning, the last two months have made this kind of more of a normal offseason. Yeah, I mean, and. I mean, you had teams like the Indians. Yeah, but the Indians have been on the. Here's the honest truth. Years. Like 
this got this offseason got pretty much done with in the normal like maybe a little bit late, but less late than the 2018-19. Yeah, this has been a better offseason than we've seen in the past. Well, so in terms of overall money outlaid, that was kind of depressed. A uh, little bit, but you still got like James Paxson that one year 8.5. Well, so I wouldn't have guessed that. Overall season. outlay, in terms of a, a year-by-year outlay, things look pretty normal. Yeah. In terms of long-term deals. No one – there was only, I think, three or two deals that were more than – Three years that I can think of off the top of my head. You have McCann and you have Springer. Right. And the McCann was just, and Real Muto. And Real Muto. Those are the only three deals I can think of off the top of my head that were for more than three years. Right. I think, I think this offseason is indicative of what we're going to see a lot with a lot of one year deals. And what that's going to do is it's going to compile. Yeah. And after a couple of years of this, you're going to have so many free agents that will drive down prices. That will drive down prices. Yes. But I don't, th- it's hard to say that that's. A reflection of, I mean, right. There's there's a lot of uncertainty right now yeah. between the new CVA, between you know, pandemic, right. Uh, but and in terms of whether or not this off season has pushed us closer or farther away from a possible strike next year, you can still see that the the union and the league don't trust each other at all. They don't trust each other's motives. Uh, you saw that in the discussion over whether or not to push the season back. And with the DH and expanded playoff talk, too. Right. The the, the two sides don't trust each other's motives. Uh, and it's a very tenuous relationship right now. But I don't think that that pushes them any closer or farther away from a strike. The real issue is, with the, talking about a strike, is that what do the players want? I don't think they have concrete They don't have – yeah, exactly. Other they than want to spend, spend more money. money. That's right. all they want. And so, like, where do they go from there? And, and the, obviously the truth is that it's in neither side's interest to – Strike after two seasons of pandemic ball. Right. They are going to try and – want to try and shore up their, uh, their revenue streams as much as possible, mm-hmm. especially in an era when it's not just, you know, in-person fans that – you know that revenue stream is being challenged, but obviously you're starting to see the death of the RSN. Uh, the bubble is starting to burst a little bit. There were very few; no team managed to get uh, a new RSN deal this year. Uh, there was a ton of. Uh, you know, there were obviously huge cuts, budget cuts at RSNs this year. Awesome. Uh, Masson among them, which is just incredibly frustrating. But uh, then uh, there was after Disney spun off or had to spin off the RSNs and Where sell them to Sinclair. There was there was no bidding war there. Uh, they're now, by the way, Bally Sports Network. Bally. Which, Bally. What? That's a Vine reference. Sure. It's a, it was a woman doing a Jamaican accent, and she says, Malayana. Okay. I'm sure lots of people will get that. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of bleak out there, and it's in neither side's interest to further endanger things. But you never know. These are not the most rational actors out there. and I mean, Especially the ownership. I mean, ownership. It seems like ownership would keep shooting themselves in the foot in order to make a profit. But they would. it would be devastating. If, if a strike at this point would be devastating. Yes. Uh, I don't think. I still don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I'm on the fence. I, from things I've heard, just from talking to people like around the game, because now I actually have a couple connections in the game. Ooh, look at me. Oh, big time. Uh, big time me. Um, there's mixed vibes on whether or not there will be a strike. I have no doubt that the players are upset yeah. and that both sides don't trust each other and don't like each other. But I don't think that means a strike because it's not in either side's interest. No. I and I, I still don't like if the players want to strike, they have to come in with an action plan and they have to come in with concrete demands. And they just other than spend money and try, they don't have those. Like they don't there's no consensus between the players union on how to get teams to spend more money. I think obviously they would want a salary floor. Uh, I don't know if they'd be willing to trade that for a salary cap, but there's no discussion as far as I can tell within the union about how to increase the non-discretionary, uh, you know, 
if we're talking about increasing the the minimum salary. Uh, I think there are a lot of players who seem to think that increased free agency is some sort of panacea when, as Johnny mentioned, with the one-year contracts thing, uh, obviously that could create a big problem with a glut of free agents driving down price. Uh, There's just, I I don't get the sense that they have a coherent plan uh, and with it just being such a bad idea to strike right now. The worst is timing. It's the timing of everything. Honestly, I could see, and this might be the best option uh, to do, to to play a season with the current CBA extended for a year. Can they play without a CBA? Yes, they can, and they did in 1994 Mm. uh, for a time. And then? Yes, until they did. (laughs) But yes, they can play without a CBA. Uh, the, The rules that would govern would be the the rules from the previous CBA. Gotcha. Uh, that could very well happen. It just, the, if you're going to do this, you got to have an idea of what you're going to do and you got to do it at the time when, I mean, no one has any leverage right now. It would just be a terror. It would be like brutal on both sides to yeah. strike at this point. Yeah, it's a lose-lose. But anyway, let's talk about baseball. It could happen this year. Yes, it will happen, it will happen which... I am personally very excited about. I am too, since you're living so close to the stadium. Right. Uh, yeah, our, our studios are also my apartment. Yes. Uh, don't come visit me. <laughs> but the obviously the, the thing about this season is that there was something on the, the table to push it back a month. I think that that was not a particularly good idea, not particularly in the interests of the players, obviously, but not not necessary for public health purposes. Uh, And I am looking forward to baseball season starting as soon as possible. The Nats open up uh, spring training. They have their first workout on the 18th, four days from now. And it seems short. I don't know. It's also seems short. Yeah. I I don't know. Because nothing happened in the first two months and then everything happened in the last two months. Right. That it kind of seems like it got sped up a lot. But, like, it doesn't seem that long. I also, maybe that we haven't done anything, like, as a society in the last five months besides sitting at home. Right. That, like, oh, it's February already? Right. Time is time, sort of, time is just a concept. It's It time. ceased to be a meaningful construct. It's just a flat circle. I've heard that. Uh, True Detective Season 1. Yes. God. Because people still make today. They do. Uh, but I guess since the Nats are about to start you know, they're embarking on their 2021 season. We should probably talk about uh, the off season and how you would grade the off season. Uh, my personal opinion is that you really can't grade the Nats off season without looking at the off seasons of all the other teams. They're, they're grading on a curve pretty much. Right. The, the Nats have filled all of their holes of which there were many with adequate options Adequate though, Bell went out of production. So they they got the the best first baseman out there in Bell, uh, but the, that's that's not saying a lot. No, I mean there weren't that many available. I mean they got the best relief pitcher out there. I mean yes, best second best between him behind Hendricks. Yeah. yeah, they got the best left-handed reliever out there, which is what they needed. Yeah, and I I do I get the sense that they're going to use him in the right way yeah. as a sort of lefty fireman, which is, is what they should do because he's their only left-handed reliever worth a damn, unless they're going to put Luis Avilon on the That's roster. Right. We do. I mean, between Rainey, I mean, Hudson, and hopefully Will Harris will rebound, um, I mean, that's not... It's a good it's bullpen. A good bullpen. I mean, I, I'm really high on Rainey. I think Rainey took a big step forward next year, last year, and I hopefully think he'll continue yep. that. Managed to get those walks down from like seven to like four and a half. Mm-hmm. With his velocity and his stuff. Actually, I think he may have even been lower than that. Yeah, he was he was great last year. But, I mean, the bullpen is short up. I think this is probably the best Nats bullpen since the Craig Stammen era. Craig Stammen slash Tyler Clifford era. 2014, maybe. Um, I mean, they've had terrible bullpens. Rainey, by the way, had a 14-3 to strikeout-to-walk ratio. Pretty damn good. Which is really good. Yeah. So, this is the best Nats bullpen they've had in a long time. Um, I mean, the lineup's going to be... <sighs> it's gonna be interesting. I think it. The Nats want this season to be 2019 again through magic and powers and whatever. 
because if you're getting 2019 performances, you're getting 39 home runs from Schwarber, getting 38 home runs from Bell, right? With you know 260 averages from both, you're getting. Um, I mean, Soto will be Soto. I mean, no questions there. Hopefully, Trey Turner can. Carry well, obviously, we don't know if he's going to hit 350 again. No, but he'll be like on Soto. I think he'll win his MVP this year if the Nats are good enough. He could win a batting title. He could win. I mean, he's is like we're talking about a guy who could be right now his player cop. You know, his WRC plus is 26 all time, tied with Joe DiMaggio, and he's going into his age 22 season. Yeah, we're, his we player could, cop is Ted Williams. We could be talking about an all time great here. I mean, I, I I said this with some coworkers a couple of weeks ago, and they looked at me like at a third eye. I'm, I I don't understand. People aren't as excited about Juan Soto as Nats fans are. Well, of course incredible. not. Yeah. Uh, is, I mean, we, you know this if you're listening to this podcast, you're a Nats fan, so we're not going to harp on this. But, I mean, between Soto and Turner, Turner can keep it up last year. And that's a good core. But oh, that's need, two players. I mean, it's, it's a core. It's a core of your lineup. You need, like, Schwarber and Bell to not be... If Schwarber down. and Bell hit like they did in 2019... 130 and 144 OPS pluses, respectively, with 39 and 38 homers. That is a good lineup that doesn't need major leaps from Robles, from Keyboom. If if Castro is merely adequate and Gomes and Avila give you enough, that lineup will be good enough to contend. Mm -hmm. But if they hit to their career averages instead, which is, you know, roughly in the 110 to 120 OPS plus era, uh, you need more. Mm-hmm. You, and I don't, I mean, Carter Keyboom is 23. Yeah. We can't write him off yet. I mean, uh, we kind of have. I mean, I have in my mind, but that's because. I, I, I've never been a big Keyboom guy. Even I, I just don't see it with him. I don't see what his tools are. He's one of those prospects that has above average skills at every tool. And I just, I don't trust those I don't guys. trust them. Like, it reminds me of Damsby Swanson. Oh, Damsby's come together a little bit more. Right. But like... If he, if, if Keyboom turns out to be Damsby Swanson, you'd be very happy with yeah. that. It's just like a guy who just is good at a lot of things, but doesn't excel at anything. Nah, I don't like those kind of prospects. That's fair. Uh, and he hasn't sell, excelled or been good at okay. anything in, hey, in the major leagues right now. last year. He did. He, yeah. It was weird because he, he was... Any power whatsoever. Right. One double, and that's it? Yes. Yeah. He had a single double. That was one all double. That was all the extra base hits he hit last year. That's uh, not great. It's not. Uh, and it was bad in completely opposite ways from how he was bad in his initial so 11 games. down, walks were up. His eye was better. His defense was better. He was pretty solid defensively. Yeah. But uh, lost the power. So the Nats, the big place that they chose not to improve was third base. They're giving they're giving Keyboom at least to start, they're giving him free reign. Uh, I don't disagree with you. I the think the only problem is, is this team this could be the last year for this team. Yeah. I mean the I the, the Nats will have they're they're losing two to three starting pitchers next year, including Scherzer. Who knows what's gonna happen with Scherzer over the next year. Is Joe Ross free agent after this year? Joe Ross is not a free agent, but if he doesn't pitch well, yeah. he'll be gone. Uh, which is why I said two to three. Obviously, Lester. I mean, that that's another area they they chose to make a small improvement uh, with a guy that they're banking on being as good as he was in 2019, and John Lester. Uh, they're not banking him on him being 2016 or 2018, John Lester. They're banking on him being a guy who gives you 32 starts and gives you at least an 100 uh, ERA plus someone who's who's good enough, uh, which. I don't think it's a terrible bet, but there were certainly larger scale improvements that they could have made. Uh, I, I kind of wish they got like Odorizzi. I don't know that. I mean, I don't know that that would have been a better option than Lester. Well, Lester is. And Lester gives you innings. Lester gives you thing. innings. Lester was good or excellent in about half his starts last year. Twelve starts to me is just not a sample size you want to be making. Huge bets on. Yeah, but his peripherals weren't good. And that's what concerns me. His but it's down, still 12 his, starts. Yeah, his, but your velocity's down. And no spring training also probably plays into it. But his velocity was down. His strikeout rate was down. 
like in major ways last year. Every starter that the Nats have, other than Scherzer's velocity, was down last year. Well, Strasburg made one start. Yeah, and his velocity was way down, and Corbin's velocity was down. I just, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to put any stock into 2020 until we see what happens. We see what happens in 2021. Uh, but anyway, so if you're degrading the Nats offseason based off these moves, you're talking about grading on a scale. So I think we also have to look at what the rest of the analysts did. When we start talking about Real Muta to the Phillies, we'll go through Phillies. We'll do Phillies, Braves, Mets uh, in terms of most moves. So Phillies, they're pretty much running it back with the same team. They re-signed Real Muto. They re-signed Didi. They, um, they, what else did they do? Those are like the two biggest moves they made. Yes, they re-signed Real Muto. They re-signed Didi. They uh, signed Archie Bradley Jr. That's right. Uh, which last year their bullpen was the worst. It was even worse than the Nats 2019 bullpen. The oh, they added Matt Moore. They added Matt Moore on a three million dollar deal. Um, the back of their bullpen is not the back of rotation is not great. Their bullpen is still not super exciting. They also traded for Jose Alvarado, and a hard throwing lefty. They added Brandon Kensler on a uh, three million dollar. Good job, Bryce Harper. Right. $3 million minor league deal. Um, it's not... The team on paper should be very good. It's got a great lineup uh, to the point where, you know, there's they're seven hitters, seven and eight hitters are Segura and Kingery, and, and Didi Gregoria should be hitting sick for them. Like, it's a, it's a very good lineup. Mm-hmm. The top of the rotation with Nola and Wheeler is very good. Um, I mean, I'd say this team has more holes than the Nats do. I don't. I mean, I don't know about that. The Nats clearly haven't beaten the bullpen. Uh, haven't beaten the rotation. Rotation's a, a push. No, I'd say the Nats haven't beaten the bullpen rotation. I mean, what you're taking Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. Well, over Nola Wheeler, Eflin. But yeah. the problem is that Wheeler was good last year. Nola was good last year, and Strasburg's coming off injury, and Scherzer is 37. Yeah, but Scherzer still threw harder last year than he ever has. He did, and I'm never going to bet against Max Scherzer. I'm not betting against Max Scherzer. But I think Strasburg will come back this year. I, I mean, he's had a lot of time to rehab his carpal tunnel. Yeah, I don't I don't know not, how serious an injury that was. They don't sound that concerned. The team didn't sound that concerned with Strasburg. Right. They were like, we're going to shut you down this year, which I was fine with, honestly, because right. coming off of that many innings pitched from Strasburg in 2019 – like, I don't mind him. But now now you're asking him, after having thrown maybe 10 innings total last year, to throw 200 again this year, which is, you know... Th- yeah, but you're asking a lot of pitchers to after only throwing a fewer amount of in- innings to do that again. Sure, and, you're having and a lot someone's going to get hurt. Someone's getting a lot of people going to get hurt. It might be a mess. But, I mean, he's had a lot... He did, you know, ramp up and start pitching and then got shut down. I- I'm not overtly concerned with Strasburg. And I don't know if I'm being stupid for not being overtly concerned, but it's not, to me, it's not something that's all that concerning to me. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I'm just concerned. It's an old rotation it is an old with rotation. a lot of guys with a lot of miles on them. Yes. Uh, Somehow the rotation got older. Yes, with Lester. Yes. Who is the oldest. Yeah, that's remarkable. Is he older than Scherzer? I actually don't know. Let's see. Scherzer was Lester is 37. 37. Scherzer is, is six months younger. Ooh. Yes. Chicken. Man, right. This team is so old. It's a very old rotation. Yeah, we but still have the youngest player. There's no sense. I mean, the truth is that with rotations, the logic is sort of inverted. That like The best indicator of your being able to go multiple, like to, to make all of your starts is the fact that you've done it before. Yeah. Uh, and with the way that we breed young starting pitchers nowadays, where we protect them at all costs and don't throw them, let them throw more than 150 innings, mm-hmm. the Nats, by going old at the starting rotation, are probably more likely to get more innings out of their rotation than other teams. Yeah. Or they'll break down. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm not. I think the Nats have the Phillies beat in the rotation, and I think they haven't beat in the, in the bullpen. I think pitching wise, Nats have the Phillies beat. I think offense. Phillies have the Nats beat. By a significant margin. Yeah. I mean, the Nats have the best player on either team. Yes. Well, the Nats have a top three offensive player in baseball. Yeah. But um, 
I still think the Nats are better than the Phillies. I think they had a better offseason. I think the Phillies just are running it back with a 500 team. And yeah, but you got to remember I mean, why the team went 500 the last two years. Because they're bullpen. Bullpen. And their bullpen's still not great. No, it's not. But there's it's easy to improve from, you know, dumpster fire to not great. If the bullpen is merely not great, this should be a good team. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so let's talk about the Mets because the Mets had a an up and down off season that also uh, people are still sort of sleeping on it. The Mets got the best player who was who well, moved in yeah. the off season. They got Francisco Lindor. They did. I mean, they got they improved on catcher. They improved in shortstop. Their lineup is sick. I mean, between. Uh, McNeil, Alonzo, Lindor, Conforto, J.D. Davis, who I really like, um, Dom Smith, who was really good for them last year. I mean, that's a deep lineup. I mean, they could probably – they're still – they could still probably add J.D. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., who they've been talking about to replace Nemo. Uh, I've heard that they're out on JDJ. Bradley. Well, they, they also after, added – After signing uh, – Almora. Almora. Yeah, they also, I was going to say they added Almora. The rotation is top-heavy as – I mean, they have they had a Carrasco, who hasn't been great in the last couple of years. You know, you know, with the cancer stuff and with um, um, you know, shortened season last year. He's he's been in the bullpen a lot. He was um, actually very good last. He year. was good last year. Oh, two ninety one ERA. He was excellent last yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, Carrasco's a good pitcher. I mean, Car- they're getting a good guy in Carrasco, I, I, even though like, just like he just missed some time with. Cancer, and you can't really predict that. But coming back last year, he was good. I mean, that's a good one, two, three without Cindergard, who'll come back in July. You got Degrom, uh, uh, Stroman. Stroman. Yeah, Stroman also has not pitched in, in a while, two years. Yeah, I mean, uh, same boat as Strasburg is. Right. Um, but and then the bullpen, except that he wasn't injured. Yeah, but then the bullpen, you have Diaz, who how was he last? Year? He was. He was better. He was was much better last year. You have Diaz. You have Trevor May, who they added. Um, Betances and Familia still. Uh, Yeah, Lugo is hurt. Miguel Castro. Uh, I mean, the bullpen is still, is like, I'd say it's about an average to slightly above average bullpen. Um, The lineup is probably above average lineup in, in the baseball. And the rotation is very good. It's, top it's thin, but it's very good. And I mean, when you're, you're headed by Jacob DeGrom, I mean, that's... Right. But the, the thing about it is they made some small bore moves in the rotation, uh, other than Carrasco, obviously. They signed Joey Lucchese, or traded for Joey, Joey Lucchese. Uh, their Drew Peterson, or David Peterson, excuse me, uh, is sort of a middling stuff guy, Uh they could stand to add another play in the rotation, and there's still guys out there for them. Jake Odorizzi would be an interesting guy, uh, although depending on how you feel about Peterson, maybe you'd rather just stick with him. Uh, it's it's an interesting team. Uh, it's it's thin, and obviously if any of their big guys go down with injury, they're screwed. But it's a very talented team. I I don't know how I would rank these teams in the division. But I think that people are, because of the Trevor Bowers situation, sort of disregarding how good the Mets offseason was. I don't think that's true. I don't think I've really seen people say the Mets are a bad offseason if they didn't get Bauer. I mean, they certainly could have done a better offseason. Well, it's, it's because of the Bauer thing and because of the Jared Porter thing yeah, and I because mean, of it's just – Cohen almost getting – Right, the game, the game stock thing. And <laughs> it's just the Mets. I and mean, the Mickey Calloway thing. The Mets are – they will always be the Mets. Like that's that's the you, you, you can take the Will Ponds out of the Mets, but you can't take the, the Mets out of the Mets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's they're an embarrassment of an organization. They'll find some way to fuck it up again. But on paper, they're the best team in the NL East, and they're the best offseason. Well, then we also got to talk about the Braves. I mean, yeah, I mean the Braves are again running it back with a division leader, and then adding. To They've them. won the division three years in a row. And they're running back essentially the same team, yeah, plus right. Charlie Morton, plus a full season of Mike Soroka. Uh, and Marcelo Zuna in left field. Yikes. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> but he's going to hit well. Yeah, he was one of the best offensive players in baseball last year. Obviously, shortened season. Who knows how much stock to put in that. But 
I mean, I think the Mets have the Braves beat in the lineup. Yeah. I mean, they do have the reigning MVP in Freddie Freeman. They have Ronald Cunha, who could win MVP this year. Right. They have Marcelo Zuna, who's a top-five MVP finisher last year. Right. So they have three guys who, you know, some of the best offensive lineup. And then Pat Darno, who's been good for the last couple of years. Ozzie Halfies, Dansby Swanson, who has been better. And then it kind of falls off from there. Oh, and they've got, you know, Christian Pache, who could catch everything in center field and really make this a great defensive team. And that's something we didn't talk about with the Nats. Oh, the defense could be brutal. It depends on what happens with Victor Robles. If yeah. Robles is better defensively, I mean, the defense is still not going to be good. Schwarber. But, yeah, they've got Kyle Schwarber left. They've got Juan Soto, who is not the greatest left fielder in the world, now playing right. Uh, it, it could get ugly. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of those... not a good defensive first baseman. Castro's not a good defensive second baseman. Right. I mean, Kivum is shaky. Turner's... Turner is... Defensive metrics don't like him, but he does. He passes the eye test enough. They did get better defensively at catcher, swapping out Suzuki for Avila, but and Gomes is still good there. I don't know. It's there are a lot of questions about this team. Yeah, uh, going back to the Braves, I mean, the Braves are going to be good defensively. The, the question is, and this is why Pakoda is not high on the Braves. Uh, how much do you believe in Max Fried and Ian Anderson? Uh, Soroka is going to miss some time. He'll probably be back like June-ish. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, Which leg was it? Was his plant leg or his? Um, I it don't. Matters. I don't think it really matters for how long he's going to be. No, out. but it matters for how he recover. Yeah, uh, I can't remember, but it was his Achilles tendon. Snapped it in the first game of the year. It was really tough. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They've got a good bullpen with Chris Martin, Will Smith. AJ. I mean, this team was one win away from the World Series. Yes. I mean, and they got. I mean, Morton. One win a, away from the World Series. Up 3-1 on the clear best team in baseball. Yeah. I mean, Morton, I, Morton had a down year last year. He, they, The Rays really shortened him in terms of how many times the rotation he'd go through because obviously it's the Rays. Right. But um, he wasn't, like, as good. He was not good last year. Yeah, he would, had a down year last year. But right. again, shortened season, whatever, whatever. He is 37. This is his age 37 season. And he was a guy who kind of was flashed in the pan. Well, his velocity went from, uh, you know, 90s, low 90s to high 90s. Yeah. And it's still true. He was still throwing hard last year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do like the Morton signing. I think he's a good pitcher, especially for a young rotation like that. I mean, he's replacing Cole Hamels, who didn't make a start last year. Um, However, you're you're relying a lot on... uh, uh, yeah, they're relying a lot on. What were you going to say? Oh, sorry, I was reading that breaking news that you got. It's not Carter breaking Kibu. news. Carter Cuban says he plays on a played on a torn groin last year. I wouldn't really put that much stock into it. I mean, it does zap your power. Torn groin. I mean, I don't know. That would zap your power a lot. Who, who knows? Who knows? He was just very bad, and yes. I'm gonna not believe in him until I see him play yeah. better. But anyway, but with uh, the Braves. Um, yeah, you have to play a lot of soccer and a lot of young pitchers. I mean, Anderson looked really good in the playoffs last year. He did. Freed looked, looked really good in the season and playoffs last year. I think Freed, you know, struggles with command. Uh, he's got great stuff. I mean, he's a lefty who throws 95. I don't know. I mean, I think I, if I'm ranking this, if, so going back to our original point. Yes. Grading the Nats offseason. Based off of all the off seasons, I think the Nats probably had the second best offseason in the NL East. Only because they well they aren't running it back with pretty much the same team. That's, that's right. in terms of the offseason. I'm not saying they're the second best team. I think they're the second best offseason. They, they had so much more work to do than any of the other teams. That is true. Well I mean, the Phillies and the Right. Yeah. The Phillies had a lot of work to do to get back to where they were. Yeah. And they did. They I mean, did all the work they had to do. Yeah. I mean the Braves could have added more and been they could have gone after a third baseman and replaced Riley with, you know, a Bryant or Suarez, and they still could. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like either of those guys are getting moved for 36 No, and they've been in conversations with both those teams. And so the Mets. Yeah. Uh, the Mets would be interesting because they've got J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil and Dom Smith. Uh, I don't know. But I think the Nets are the second best offseason. Am I saying they're the second best team? Probably not. If I if I had to rank the teams right now, I think I would stick with the Braves at number one. Yeah. Uh, and I'd go Braves, Mets, 
probably, I don't know where I would go, Phillies, Nats, but it would be tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't and see appreciable difference between those two teams. the biggest issue is that we're playing for one wild card spot, essentially. Right, with, because... Because the Padres, I, I'm, I'm banking on the Padres being that four seed. It, with the way that the divisions are set up, assuming that we don't have expanded playoffs, which I don't know that you can definitely make that assumption. I don't think it'll happen unless the players cave on the DH, and it doesn't sound like that's happening. You mean unless... It would, no. The players want the DH. The yeah. question is... I'm talking about giving it up, you know, for... It doesn't sound like there's that negotiation, that trust that right. needs to happen. That the, that the latest deal basically wasn't good for the players because the, the players don't see an equivalence between uh, the um, expanded playoffs and the DH, and they're right not to. Uh, and the offer that the, that the league made the players in terms of gate receipts... Uh, in terms of guaranteed money for the postseason, if the postseason is played with fans, the players would get that money anyway. And the way the trajectory of the pandemic is going seems like a decent bet that that will happen. Yeah, and also the deal also, if they had to cancel more games during the season, you would Yeah, but even even ignoring that. Yeah, but uh, that's why the deal is shitty for the players. Well, that's not that wasn't the deal. The deal, that wasn't exactly the deal. No. The the problem with the deal was that it seemed to, the language possibly would have given more flexibility to cancel games to the commissioner. I don't think that that was what they intended, and I don't think that was the sticking point. But it, the, the players are absolutely right that expanded playoffs would not be good for competitive integrity, which they only care about for the purposes of getting teams to spend money. But uh, I agree that playoffs, you know, extended playoffs would not be a good thing. No. Uh, but regardless, we don't know what that's going to happen with. But if, assuming right. regular rules, where we are now, there's one playoff spot up for grabs. Right. Outside of the division winner. Right. And it's, I don't know that it's going to come out of the NL East just because the... NL Central is also very weak. And the NL East could end up being itself up. Uh but someone's going to win this division, mm-hmm. and probably going to be the Braves. I don't. I don't know that it's a guarantee. I'd say Braves and Nats are the highest seeded favorites, but I still could think the Nats have a path. They do. If if the rotation looks like it did in 2019, I with mean, with Corbin, just did a ranking of rotations. They put the Nats rotation at third. It's a. I mean, if if everything ha- if if the rotation looks like it did in 2019 with three. You know, aces and and Lester giving you what Anibal Sanchez gave you, <laughs> then yeah, I mean this team could win the division. And if they hit enough, team could win the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, frankly, they didn't win the division in 2019. Nope. Uh, although that oh, was that was more about their 19 and 31 start than it was about their true talent level. Uh, I think on true talent, they were just as good as the Braves. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Speaking of, we didn't talk about this that happened in the last three weeks. Baby Shark, do do Right. That is the other transaction that we missed. The Washington Nationals have re-signed. Well, invited him to spring training. Right. Well, they re-signed him. They gave him a minor league contract. The Baby Shark, obviously, Gerardo Parra. They got to at least have him come like when they're fans to like have him at that. The thing about Para is, first of all, he could make this team because there are 26 men, men on the roster. That's true, but they, they're like there is an open roster spot sure. for someone. Uh, it would be great to have an infield outfield type. They're counting on Josh Harrison to be that guy. But anyway, Para was bad enough in Japan last year that he got sent down to the Japanese minor leagues. I mean, I, I don't know. He was also He's bad enough. He was bad enough for the Giants that he got caught a month into the season in 2019. Yes. And then Baby Shark. But anyway, going back to our original 2019 Nats, making it Nats making it 2019 again through magic and uh, through science and through magic. Science and magic. Right. Um, that's Toronto Par fits in very nicely with that plan. Yeah. But if the Nats, if this is 2019 again, which is a lot, um, it's not impossible. It's, yeah, it's not possible, but it's a lot to say. Right. And the Nats 
I think will win the division. I don't know about. I mean, remember, every single team in the division got better it's this offseason, including the Marlins. By the way, the Marlins added Adam Duvall. Uh, they were in briefly on. Uh, they were in on Benintendi before he got, went to the Royals. They were in briefly on Wilson Contreras. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a good division. The Marlins did make the playoffs last year, although who knows about that? They still have a good rotation. There are no gimme games in this division. It's a really good division. And frankly, I don't care that much. Uh, I am just desperately looking forward to watching good teams play baseball, and I'm happy about the fact that, like, if the Nats hadn't won the 2019 World Series, I would feel differently. Uh, but, wait, Doc, you're telling me. We gotta go back, Marty. Um, but anyway, so going back to our original point of this discussion, what would you give the Nats rating for this offseason? Okay. I would, as we now enter the 46th minute of this podcast. This the end of it. Yes. I would give the Nats a B minus. There were other things they could have done. They could have made more. I think they I did. don't like the hand signing. I, I think they could have done something else with that $11 million. Uh, would have been interesting. Uh, but it's, it's more, they did everything they could, roughly speaking, on the budget they had. And, and they're, spent, they're, they're the third highest payroll in baseball right now. Uh, fifth highest luxury tax number. You know, they, they spent a reasonable amount yeah. for a team that... And they added, what, like a $20, $30 million payroll? They are $8 million under the luxury tax yeah. right now. So it's it's hard to fault them for how much money they spent. And, and obviously they could have gone bigger at other positions, but I don't think they could have filled every hole that they had on the, the tax number that they were going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that, at that, you know, if we're, if we're grading on that, they did a good job, um, but with the way the division is set up, I mean, I, I just I'm not confident it's going to be enough. Yeah, I I give them a B plus. I think they had a, they again, as you said, they filled every hole. I'm not a fan of the Schwarber signing. That's my least favorite move of the offseason. I think. What would you have gone with instead? I mean, honestly, Michael Brantley for four million more dollars in an extra year. I mean, you need a left fielder next year. I mean, I love Michael Brantley. I think he would fit perfectly in this offense. Offense. I don't. I love the idea of Soto and Brantley in the same lineup. But the the Nats went big on power, on power. and Schwarber, in terms of batting eye, gives you a lot of what Brantley does. Yeah. He gives you good at bats. He strikes out more, but he gives you good at bats. Uh, and I don't. I don't think I hate the idea of going in on power. No, but I feel like you could have gotten who was the other left fielder that I mean Peterson signed for less, three million dollars less. Than Schwarber did, and then there's another guy who signed for like a million dollars less than Schwarber. I can't remember which left fielder did. Got a one-year, eight million dollar deal. Who's guy I wouldn't have paid us getting? Just can't remember who it is, but I remember someone did it. Jock Peterson? No, another guy, not Peterson. Um, Eddie Rosario. Rosario. Okay. Rosario is the guy. Like Rosario plays better defense than Schwarber. Rosario has less power. He, he, he has a lot of game. power, but he he walks game. less. Yeah. I mean, it's. I'm just looking at yeah. The Nats have. They made a plan this offseason, and they executed it. Yes. Whether or not you like, like that plan. I feel like coming into the offseason, they circled four players they wanted to get, and they got those four players. And they circled a, an offense that they were trying to build. I feel like they wanted Schwarber from the get-go. They wanted Lester from the get-go. That was a guy they saw was available and got, and hand who was at the right price. Right. I don't know. It, it could work. But it, Yeah, but I think I, I love the hand signing. I think this is the first time the Nats have really, you know, not the first time they've signed a reliever, got the closer because they've gotten both, but gotten a guy. I, I love Brad Hand. I think he's got the best slider in baseball. I mean, it does remind me a little bit of the Soriano move in the sense that it was a team that wasn't necessarily hurting for a reliever that signed one who was the best reliever available, who has some warning signs in terms of declining velocity. Yeah, but sorry, he's got better stuff than Soriano. Soriano had great stuff yeah, but, until his fastball went from 94 to 91. But I think the way that hand stuff plays with that way back. The fastball wasn't Sam's best pitch. The slider is. He still throws his fastball like 75% of the time. Yeah, but the slider's filthy. He's, 
I he's a great fit, and the Nats don't need him to be the greatest pitcher of all time right. to fit in the rotation. I love the hand signing. I really like the Bell get. I love Josh Bell. I think he's a great. I think switching first baseman is cool. Um, I think uh, between him and Carlos Santana. Um, Would you rather have Santana over Bell? No. For roughly the same amount of money. No, I think I'd rather have Bell over Santana. I think Bell has a higher ceiling than Santana does these days. Yeah, but um, Santana works at bats. Yeah. Has a lot of. I don't know. I mean, it's. I see what the Nats were going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be enough given how much the rest of the offense improved, or the rest of the league improved, uh, or rest of the division improved. But I, I do appreciate that they played it like a normal offseason, yeah. that they, they had a plan, a baseball-related plan. They executed it. They're trying to win games, and they're going to give us something to watch next season. It's pretty cool that you've had a team – just as the Nats that have consistently added pretty much every offseason yep. in the last decade. Yeah. And they, since 2011, they had Jason Moore, and they added more in 2012. And they got Gio Gonzalez in 2012. 2013, you said Soriano. And Dan Heron, these just guys come off the top of the head. Um, right. 24, I mean, this is a team that every year has put together a competitive team on paper to start the year for the past decade. Yeah, they've they've tried. The only, only moves they've made this entire run from 2011 to 2021 – well, yeah, and that was just trading Gio Gonzalez and trading Matt Adams and Daniel Murphy. And Daniel Murphy. Like, those were not – they didn't uproot the upholstery there. It was I can't just, remember who he traded Murphy to. Cubs. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. And then Gio went to the Brewers, and Matt Adams went back to the Cardinals. Yes. And then back to the Nets. And then he's – I think he's retired or something. I don't know. He was – he had a minor league deal with the Mets. The then he went to the Braves, and he did make the team. Yeah. Oh, he was on the Braves last year. He played for the Braves. I said did make the team. He had a walk-off home run for that. I know. Yes. That was – yeah. Anyway. I, that wasn't that was in one of the spring training games, I think. No. I can't sure remember. Whatever. Anyway. Anyway. But this is a team that consistently put the – I mean, kudos to the learners. Kudos – I mean, you yeah. know, complain about them. They're not adding rent on last offseason. I'm not going to – they gave a $235 million contract to, Steve, to Steven Strasburg. Like, you know, you could complain about them. You can argue that they maybe should have signed Rendon Bull, signed Rendon over Strauss. You could argue that, you know, obviously last year they would have been better off if they'd signed Rendon. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have Strauss for last year. Right. But this is a – kudos to – I mean, I don't like kidding kudos to owners because – They owners, they spent and, money this offseason. And they consistently spend money. And sometimes they penny pitch in weird ways. But they didn't really do that they this offseason. Not this offseason. No, they – they do add to the team, and it is a nice thing to see when you see teams like the Fit Red Sox, the Indians, the Cubs. You know, two or three are huge markets. I still can't believe that the Red Sox, with the amount of tearing down that they've done, still have a payroll over two hundred million dollars. The second worst farm system. Yeah, they, like the Red that's, Sox, that's have a... handcuffed themselves in a million and a half ways to just be a terrible team for many years to come. They were so much better off just keeping the team they had, yeah. and it just. Like spending an extra twenty million dollars going over the the second tax, the last tax, than doing what they're doing now, which is losing a lot of money and being terrible. Yep. So you know, let's see how this one will be back. I am just I'm super excited to watch baseball this yes, year. Yes, I am, and it'll be hopefully a little bit more normal. Yep. So we'll see you next week or whenever. And maybe uh, have a special guest on next episode. It's possible. It's possible. Maybe not. All right. Talk to you soon.